Brought to you by North Memorial Health, where customers are treated like family. That means a big smile when you walk in the door and making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. It's just like your family treats you. Find your healthy family at northmemorial.com slash family. Welcome to another episode of the Access Vikings podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer, joined by Ben Gessling and Jim Suhan from M&T Bank Stadium. After the Vikings lost in overtime, another overtime game, another road overtime game, and another loss. I guess, Ben, where, where do the similarities stop and start with this game? And, we, and I should mention, of course, I wanted to lead with Harrison Smith being uh, placed on the COVID list and testing positive. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's probably where the similarities for the other ones stop in, in the sense that they were as depleted defensively as they've been all season. Uh, basically, yeah, the lead of my story in the paper tomorrow is since Sunday, they found out they lost to Neil Hunter for the season. They found out they would not get Michael Pierce back for a fourth straight game against the team he used to play for and had practiced against. Probably would have been a nice piece to have today against a team that ran for 247 yards. And then they find out this morning, after it sounded like some retesting to confirm that they were not going to have Harrison Smith, uh, he... Mike Zimmer said is out for the next game as well, which presumably means that he is still unvaccinated, uh, which is our understanding. That that was what we reported at the beginning of the season. That was our understanding the entire time. He had said he wasn't vaccinated. That must still be the case. So it's tough when you're missing those players against a team that runs the ball that effectively, and they ultimately had two choices. They could have landed the haymaker to end the fight early, or you're going to go 12 rounds with that offense, and you're not set up to do that very well, given the state of your defense. Yeah, and Jim, Ben said he basically wrote about how the the awful week that led into this game, but they basically put an awful week into a whole day just in this game. They did, and it starts with, hey, if Harrison Smith gets the stupid shot like all the rest of us, the Vikings win today. You know, there, there there are so many places today where one tackle, one tip pass, one interception, one sack, all the things Smith got paid a lot of money to do uh, could have turned the game. Uh, so Smith cost them this game. Aaron Rodgers cost the Packers a game today. It is a very interesting trend we're going to be following in this division and in the game. And as we were talking about, you know, just, just like Ben talked about all these negative things that happened in the run-up to this game and today, you know, you and I were talking, I mean, how often do you see an NFL team get a kickoff return for a touchdown, a 50-yard touchdown, a 66-yard run, intercept the opposing quarterback twice, not including turn one it in over, the red zone, including one in the red zone, not turn it over at all, uh, not uh, convert a four, uh, convert two fourth downs, have a successful uh, fake punt, and not win? It's hard to do. <laughs> and not get sacked, not, not turn it sacked, over. Turn, I mean, they just—they had so much. They had—they had this long absence of negatives. They had this long list of dramatic positives that almost always win games for you, and they still found a way to lose. It's yeah, it's it's incredible, and I don't know. I guess you would have to put the blame on the offense squarely if you're going to put yeah. it on one unit or side in it. And I guess you fans want to certainly lump it onto coaching, but. I mean, I thought there were times in this game where we we talk about it, Ben or Jim too, after the the Kirk Cousins presser, where he every time we talk about, hey, why isn't Jefferson getting the ball? Why isn't Thielen getting the ball? It's like, well, the coverage dictates it. The coverage dictates it. It's like it's the same story every single week with this offense. Yeah, he he talked about how they play a lot of a lot of two deep coverage, and yes, that is the way 
that teams have gone in this league. This has gone from a single safety league where everybody was copying what Seattle was doing to a lot of teams playing split safeties again, trying not to get thrown on. But there are ways to beat that type of coverage. Cover two is not a new thing. Heck, I mean, the the modern iteration of it happened 20-some years ago when Tony Dungy needed a way to stop Randy Moss. And, And there have certainly been changes to it there have been developments to it since then but this idea of beating split safeties is not something that is so impossible to solve that you can that you should just be sitting there saying i have to throw my hands up because we don't have an answer for it it's it just we hear it pretty frequently and we see this every week where they score early because the script looks good and they go on a march and it's like okay and even on the second drive today, Jefferson gets the double move. The safety bites on it. He hit Cousins hits him for a 50-yard touchdown. It looks like, okay, they're off to the races. But then they didn't score again absent the field goal, which was set up by the interception and the kickoff return, until the frantic march they have to make at the end of the game seemingly every week. So this this lull that they seem to go through, is it it's hard to figure out. And it just doesn't cut it. You you can't do that, especially against this team with that style of offense and expect to survive. I, I really thought the defense, for the most part, did about as much as it could. I thought they pressured Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson was erratic. They forced turnovers. You have to hold up your end of the bargain, I think, a little bit better than they did on offense. Yeah, and Jim, offensively, I guess, to me, it, it seems like we're seeing the same story play out, too, where it's it's the scripted first drive that works, and maybe even the second drive, you're, you're still kind of getting some of those same elements going, but then it falls flat, and it's hard to look at that and not see a 34-year-old offensive coordinator is doing this for the first time and think, boy, he seems in over his head. Yeah, I think you see a young, inexperienced coordinator who you can get help scripting. You can't get help when it's the third drive and the defensive coordinator you're going up against starts making adjustments and you have to think on your feet. So you have a coordinator, we don't know that he can think on his feet. Evidence is kind of in that he can't. And you have a quarterback who tends toward caution and the easy completion. And so what's happening is the opposing defensive coordinator is going, okay, you did your cute stuff. Now we're going to get after you. Now we're going to throw something at you that you weren't ready for. And we know that your quarterback's probably going to throw to Tyler Conklin 84 times for four-yard gains, and we're, we're okay with that. <laughs> they did seem to take that and kind of allow it. I think Kirk's direct quote was um, they backed up after the Jefferson touchdown catch. And the funny thing is that Jefferson touchdown catch wasn't even necessarily against a single high coverage. It was, no. it was, it was Jefferson faking an hour out, as you said, the double move and going up, and the safety just happened to get flat-footed, as Cousins said. And I, I have a hard time believing, and I haven't gone through and looked at the other 45 plays of the offense, obviously, right after the game, but I have a hard time believing that was the only opportunity they had to get somebody deep past those guys. And it's just every time, and Kirk referenced it, too, in this press conference afterward when he had said, you know, on that one, it helped that I had time or something like that. He, he, he'll reference the protection there every now and then. And I don't think it was too much of an issue today but yet we still couldn't see them push the ball downfield. And that's the surprising thing about an offense in this under Gary Kubiak and under Kevin Stefanski was one of the most explosive passing games in the NFL with this system in these two same receivers who we know are among the top receivers in the league, and they still can't push the ball downfield. I mean, we keep having the conversation about how much is it Kirk Cousins playing under a coach in Mike Zimmer who 
does not want turnovers. That seems to be one of their number one things. And why is that affecting him this year when it didn't affect him in years past? Well, I mean, he came in to Minnesota as a guy that would throw 10, 12 interceptions a year. And that number has dropped quite a bit. But this question of how much of that has dropped because he's so focused on it, I think is valid. And it makes me think a little bit of something we've heard Mike Zimmer say on the other side of the ball about his corners. He says a lot of times that a, a guy that picks off two passes in a day but gets beat a bunch of times did not have a good day. And he said this early on when he was coaching here just about his overall philosophy. And I, I think if you got him in a, in a candid moment, he might say that about Trayvon Diggs, some of the things we saw last week with him. I would submit that you could argue the opposite is true, that if you throw an interception – because you're trying to make something happen, but the rest of your day you're making some big plays and you're getting things going, on balance, that's not a bad day. And, and I get all the stats about interceptions and turnovers and, and how the correlation between those things and losing games is strong, but I also think if you're going three and out as much as they are, that's almost like a turnover. So – there's got to be a balance, I think, there somewhere. Well, and one of Kirk's strengths is accuracy. And we saw today one of an inaccurate quarterback. We've seen it now, actually, in, in Cooper Rush. Like, when's the last time the Vikings defense faced an accurate quarterback? I guess Wilson, but he, he, you know, Wilson is accurate, but he's also a different kind of quarterback. He's not necessarily standing in the pocket and picking you apart, got a guy. He just, he's incredibly effective. But, but yeah, they, you're right, they haven't. And so they've been able to kind of flourish off that. But then you see on the flip side, Kirk doesn't miss too many. There was a couple where he sails them, and he does when he gets uncomfortable in the pocket. You see that kind of affect him and his accuracy. He missed a couple after they got that interception. Uh, Cook ran for a lost a yard on first down, and he missed. Uh, I think he missed Jefferson on second down and missed Thielen maybe. Yeah, if one was too high and one he missed. That's right, yeah, and, and I guess I suppose I, f I forgot it was that after that Bynum interception, Kirk did talk about missing some of those out routes too that he should have hit. Um, but for the most part, <laughs> we know what inaccuracy looks like in NFL quarterbacks and a good quarterback who is accurate, and that's Kirk. That's what Kirk's been throughout his career. Decision-making, eh, but he's been accurate. And so why can't they push the ball downfield and trust that this guy's going to be accurate to Jefferson or Thielen in these contested situations? Like, we saw C.J. Ham catch somewhat of a contested pass today. Yeah, that was a heck of a catch. And, and that was to C.J. And you don't see those shots being taken to, to the star wide receivers, which is why if you're Adam Thielen and you have one catch for five yards until you catch that touchdown, you've got to be thinking, like, what is going on here? Like, that's the part that and we keep circling the drain on that. Well, and I, I wonder, too, because we've seen so many of the deep shots the last couple of years come off of what? Play action. And we've seen less of it, I think, in part, probably because teams are gearing up to stop it. We've seen teams that say, go ahead and run the ball. We're going to stop your bootlegs. We're going to stop your play action shots. That that may be something they're running into that they haven't come up with an answer for. But that piece of it and the fact that play action is not as big of a piece of this offense as it was under Gary Kubiak and it was under Kevin Stefanski I do wonder if that is contributing to the lack of downfield opportunities because they just aren't able to find it with anything else and this goes back to remember you know when Diggs went up to Cousins on the sideline I think it was the same game where Thielen and, and Cousins ended up getting into it on the sideline Bears, the Bears. Diggs went up to Cousins said trust me just trust me yeah and that's the thing is I think Cousins, because he doesn't want to turn the ball over, uh, he wants to be cautious. Well, the guy running downfield is not always going to be open when you're looking at him. You know, fast receivers are going to create separation. 
The other thing is that in this league, if you throw the ball deep to a good receiver, most likely he's either going to – huge percentage of the time, he's either going to catch it, draw a pass interference penalty, or it's going to be a harmless incompletion. And if it is an interception, most of the time it works out just like a punt. So it's, it's, it's a, there are different kinds of interceptions. You, a pick six can lose you the game. Uh, you know, a red zone interception can lose you the game. But yeah, the, sometimes it leads to three points. But but yeah, the yeah exactly. But the long shot to a talented receiver, it pays off so often, and Cousins just won't take it if the guy isn't wide open. Yeah, we heard Kirk acknowledge that at least his missing some of those shots uh, in that Dallas game. Um, I don't think we heard the same from him after this one. But the tune changes sometimes after they rewatch the game and go through some of those second guess some of those decisions like we're doing right now. Um, Without Harrison Smith, without Daniel Hunter, without Patrick Peterson, and without Michael Pierce, as you said, Ben, the Vikings defense did fairly well, especially in the first half, I thought. Um, and they kept, it seemed like they tried to keep a lid on, much like the Ravens did to the Vikings, tried to keep a lid on that, those passing games, keep Bynum and, and Xavier Woods back. Um, Bynum gets the interception. They had another interception off of an incredible play from Anthony Barr, a guy we talk about as not making those kinds of plays, and he made one. Um, the defense should have basically handed them the win. <laughs> it should have been one where Mike Zimmer can sit there and say, I still got it. I'm missing all these guys, all these guys that I thought were going to make my defense better this year. Three three guys I didn't have last year. Heck, I forgot about Peterson. Uh, I didn't have Peterson. I didn't have Hunter. I didn't have Smith, just like last year. Uh, sorry, didn't have Pierce. I had Smith, but then I, had, I was missing the three guys I was missing, and then on top of that, my – Pro Bowl possible Hall of Fame safety is out, and I came up with a game plan to beat Lamar Jackson in his house. How do you like me now? I mean, that that should have probably been what happened, but I just I go back to the, the series after the interception that Bynum has. If you score there, you are turning Lamar Jackson into not a drop-back quarterback because he'll, get a, he'll go scramble around and, and try to make things happen that way, but you are taking their running game out of the equation for the better part of the second half. You're making them play left-handed, as Bill Belichick likes to say. If you do that, as as wild as Lamar Jackson was with some of his throws and some of the decisions he made, maybe you get another interception or two. You're certainly not getting it pounded down your throat like you did in the second half. I, I think if you go and score there and it's 21-3 going into halftime, when you get the ball to start the second half, that's a different game. And we're probably talking about that's a heck of a win. They're back to four and four. Everything's back on the table. And the defense, I thought, really played admirably for most of the game, and they just got worn out. They're chasing Lamar Jackson around all day. They got exhausted. It was obvious. And then they got it run right down their throat. I think if the offense maintained, you know, it's three and outs are like turnovers. There are many turnovers. And if the offense doesn't have so many three and outs, if they're if they hold the ball longer, then the defense stays fresher and probably plays a lot better down the stretch. Yeah, we heard from Eric Hendricks the uh, phrase, we have to control what we can control, meaning on defense, we can't sit there and point the finger that we're getting thrust back out there after three plays or whatever, you know, the offense letting you down, basically, or special teams or whatever it may be in the games. But um, the defense gave up 500 yards. It took 89 plays to do so. This was the version of the Vikings offense in Carolina where they did the same thing, where Dalvin Cook ran wild. But this time um, – I think Kendricks called it bully ball in the second half. Yep, yep. They basically just kind of, Lamar Jackson said, all right, death by a thousand cuts. We're just going to keep running at you, running at you. And then what hurt them and what finally came home to roost was in overtime, 
the fact that you're playing Chris Boyd and Cameron Dantzler at corner. Yeah. Yeah. Finally came back to hurt because you have Marquise Brown running a deep, deep go, and then he cuts back on the comeback, catches it for 20 yards, and there's another 20-yard catch he had on the other uh, eventual game-winning drive for Baltimore. Um, but Ben, Jim, it sounds like they're not going to have Harrison next week. Uh, nope. Peterson's still going to be out next week as well. So this is, uh, this is what they got headed into Los Angeles pretty much next week as well. And listen, the tr- you, just like I thought coming into this game, I figured the Vikings would move the ball. Uh, the Chargers don't have a world-class defense. But you just sit here and you go, okay, if it's a close game, you know, and the, Which Vikings, it will be. And the Vikings have to defend, you know, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, talented tight ends who had a really good game in Philadelphia today, Justin Herbert, who is a slinger. Uh, do you feel good about the Vikings' chances the way they're playing? No. Yeah, nor do you really at any any of these games. That one or the Packers yeah. one. Or- <laughs> yeah, because after that, you're probably not getting Jordan Love, assuming Aaron Rodgers is back by then. So that doesn't get any easier either. I was asked on a Green Bay radio station earlier this week about uh, what are the Vikings fans? What are they, what's everybody thinking over there in Minnesota about this whole Aaron Rodgers situation? And all I said was, well, uh, I think Vikings fans wish they had a team that could take advantage of such a situation <laughs> where the star quarterback for the division champion team goes out. Because, Ben, I just don't see a way that the Vikings take advantage. They didn't today, and I don't see how they do it next week either. Well, it was a, an opportunity to do it today. If you win, then you're sitting there saying, okay, we're, what, three back instead of four? Um, gosh, it's already four. I had to do the math in my head for a second there. Man. So you're sitting there saying that, and we picked up a game on them. We play them in two weeks. It, it's not likely, but stranger things have happened. You could have a chance to get it to, to – you basically would have gotten it to three, knowing you still play them twice. So you take your chances at that point, but the fact that they didn't win today really means that the Packers didn't cost themselves anything. Rodgers being out – other than maybe home field, the advantage, home field so. thing, yes, that could matter a lot. But in the division, it didn't cost them anything, right. which, um, yeah, it's a missed opportunity for the Vikings that way. We should mention briefly with a couple of minutes left here about how um, Mason Cole makes a start at center for Garrett Bradbury. And uh, from a football perspective, obviously you hope Garrett's doing all right. He tested positive for COVID this week. He's vaccinated. He can return this week coming back against the Chargers if he is symptom-free and tests negative. Um, but from a football perspective, didn't seem like they missed him all that much. No, I didn't. I didn't think so either. The only one that I wondered about a little bit, there was a play in the fourth quarter where uh, the the Ravens brought, I think, seven or eight guys on a blitz, and Cousins basically had to throw hot and really didn't get rid of the ball quite quick enough. That I the protection Cole turned to the other side. I almost wondered if making a different protection call there to slide it would have uh, been advantageous there. Or maybe it's just that Cousins knows that they're coming unblocked because they, they blitzed like three or four guys off the left side. And whether it was Cole or whether it was Cousins, nobody accounted for that in the protection. And they basically got a clean shot on him. And that, I think, effectively ended the series. Yeah, that's not a good sign for a first-round pick. Yeah, I mean – Bradbury? Yeah, he yes. just – I'm afraid he's just not good enough. Yeah, and so I, one thing was interesting, too, what Cousins mentioned about the protection call. He said Mason Cole still ran all of that as if our center would. He said, I maintain the veto, as Cousins calls it, 
but he said he didn't have to use it that much. And so the protection still yeah, falls on the quarterback, I guess, as much as the center if they end up messing that up. It was interesting to see an offense once again with uh, a quarterback in Lamar Jackson who seems to have a lot more control at the line than Kirk Cousins does. Yeah, <laughs> There was one play there with third and 17. The Vikings had just lost Bashad Breeland, and you could see John Harbaugh on the sideline was mad at, at Lamar after the play because they ran a receiver screen that seemed to be Lamar's call. And afterward, you could see John Harbaugh on the TV copy was just like, what were you doing on that play call? Like, why are you doing we, – they just lost one of their corners, and we're checking it down on third and 17. But Teddy it, Bridgewater's successor at Louisville was probably raised in the quick game. But it just goes to show you, though, how how little I think Kirk kind of controls this offense yeah. sometimes. Like yeah. there's there's still that grip around him, and whether it's uh, um, uh, minor stuff in terms of play calls or major stuff in terms of just philosophy and not wanting to make a mistake, there seems to just be that that kind of uh, stuff hanging over Kirk's head every time he goes out there. But we'll see if it changes next week, and we'll be here to provide it. <laughs> we'll break it all down, I should say, for you on uh, Wednesday's podcast, previewing the Vikings at the Chargers. Three podcasts from three sections of the country this week. We got our East Coast podcast, yeah. our Central Time Zone podcast, and our Pacific podcast next week. <laughs> and I really like the palatial uh, Star Tribune offices in Los Angeles. I'm looking forward to getting out there. <laughs> Please check out all of our work at StarTribune.com. Maybe you should get off the podcast.